Welcome to our Veterans Day post-election podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Marple, here my co-host, Karen Lee. How are you doing on this Veterans Day, Karen, since that is what you are? Um, it is rainy and gloomy here, and I think my cold is turning into a sinus infection, but I'm hanging in there. Yeah, that's scary. Good luck on all that. Thanks. Yeah, just just listeners, I want you to realize that both Karen and her son Brian are Air Force 20-year veterans, and we're very proud of them and their service. Now, let's look at uh, the history of this day that we call Veterans Day. You know, it wasn't always called Veterans Day. When I was young and in school, we called it Armistice Day. What does Armistice mean? It really means that the put down of arms, that no longer there was any fighting. And it was a quite an interesting time because they set it up on the 11th month of the 11th, the 11th day of the 11th month at 11 o'clock a.m. So we had the three 11s, and that makes it kind of a fascinating time. This was to end the fighting of the Great War. One of the most fascinating things about this war, because it wasn't called the Great it wasn't called the World War I until World War II happened, which is interesting enough. Not surprising. They also called the war to end all wars, which obviously it hasn't. But one of the fascinating things that a lot of people don't realize that at that first Christmas in the trenches, the German trench was just a few hundred feet away from the from the British and Canadian trench, uh, and the French trenches were farther down along the line. Somebody brought up a piano on Christmas Eve, and they started playing and singing Christmas carols. And what do you know? The British started singing back. And next thing you know, they were out in no man's land, shaking hands, singing together, even having soccer games. Now, you think this would be a wonderful, wonderful way to kind of bring the war to a different conclusion. Not so. Because the officers on both sides, the senior officers on both sides, said this is not acceptable. You can't have people being fraternal and then having them kill each other on it. So it was forbidden for them to have any contact after that time at the, at the punishment of considered desertion, which is an executable offense in the military. So it was uh, something else. Now, when uh, they first called it Veterans Day, they decided, as because they were making a group of holidays, they called them Monday holidays. So that people would have long weekends, and this was made into a Monday holiday. Veterans went crazy because it was such a specific date, specific time, and everything else. So finally, they changed that back, and now we celebrate Veterans Day on the 11th, whatever day it is, and we celebrated a day early if it falls on weekend day or a day later for all on Sunday. So that's kind of a fascinating fascinating thing about what was called Armistice Day and what called Veterans Day. But now we're honoring all the men and women who have served. We have two days a year that we can honor them, honor uh, the military. Memorial Day, we honor those who gave their lives. On Veterans Day, we honor all those that served. So thank you for your service, Karen. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So that covers the first part of our podcast in here. Now we're going to look at this this thing that happened three days ago. What do you think of how that election turned out, Karen? Um, I, I had a lot of fear heading into it. You know, they, they warned of like this, this great red wave. And, it, and 
I'm really beginning to understand that the media makes you think things that maybe aren't mm-hmm. necessarily true. And so you start to panic and have anxiety about something that's actually not maybe true. But if you believe it's true, it might impact your actions. So if you're a Democratic voter in a very tight state, a swing state, and you hear that there's this great red wave, you may not vote because you think it's pointless. If you perceive Mm -hmm. that you live in a very red district or whatever. And so that part was interesting to me, but the most interesting part has been that it's, it's barely about a red puddle. And I think, you know, the two, the big things that I was looking at in this election was the five states that had amendments to vote on about abortion, you know, three to protect it and two to potentially say that women didn't not have the right to an abortion into their state constitutions. I was particularly interested in Kentucky <clears throat> because it it's not a place where you would expect the majority to vote no on their amendment. And I was blown away every time I checked it. It never dipped below the majority in Kentucky. And that was interesting. The other thing I was following was Georgia. I don't really know why because I don't live in Georgia, but I, I was watching... Stacey Abrams and uh, Senator Warnock and Marcus Flowers, you know, the one that was running against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Those were interesting to me to see what would happen. And it seems like what I noticed that Stacey Abrams was out to a huge lead. And you're looking at what areas in Georgia have been counted and it's all the cities. So it's like these cities have better mechanisms for counting their votes more quickly. And mm-hmm. I, I, I watched Pennsylvania too, not with as much interest in, in Georgia. And I, I happened to read some Facebook posts the day after, and there were people that were conservatives are very upset that Dr. Oz didn't win. And they're very angry that they feel like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia decide for the entire state. And that, that is mind boggling to me because if the majority of the state lives in these places, why should their vote count less than people that live in this tiny rural area? Oh, exactly. One of the fascinating things that it was set up at, at the with the constitution to make sure to get it passed. They gave equal powers in, in various ways to states, regardless of population. The lower house, the House of Representatives, is based simply on population. But the Senate is not. The Electoral College is not. It's based on the equality of votes there. So it makes it a little within range of population, but it gives it gives small states a huge one. If you take a state like uh, Wyoming, there's less people or about the same amount of people in the entire uh, city of Columbus, Georgia, where we live, they have two senators. You take a state like California that is several hundred times more population, they have the same two votes. <coughs> and it presents all kinds of, of issues when we get into, into politics on there. But I'll go back to something you said. One of the very interesting things I taught in school that there is two things. There's a reality and there's a perception of reality. 
And perception can actually make something real even when it's not. The former president made people have this perception that the election was stolen. And even though 98% of the vote had a paper trail, there has been absolutely nothing. 60 judges, including many, many Trump appointees, threw out the cases with prejudice, no less. Not just, just said, we're not going to listen to them. With prejudice. In fact, I just saw that uh, that a couple of Trump lawyers are in big trouble and been censured by by a judge in Florida for bringing a frivolous lawsuit and they're trying, I think, $50,000 for that, for the court cost on it. So this perception is can be problematic. We have to look at a reality of what it is and what people perceive it go. Yeah, I expected the red wave. I was getting really worried about it, and I think the media overemphasized what was going on in this game and made it messed up the the uh, projections and the pro- perceptions. It was great to see mega losses. And it was great to hear about the former president screaming at everybody, blaming everybody but himself. And he had a lot to do with it. Interestingly enough, the two main contenders for the Republican nomination 2024 in the same state at the same time going after each other. And the winner on that was not the former president. It was the governor of the state. I am not a fan of the governor of the state of Florida. On the other hand, he's close to being a real politician and and perhaps even more of a sort of a real Republican compared to the, the former president. So it'd be interesting should he get the nomination. It is too early to tell. And who knows what's going to happen to come off. So we also have this, this, the reality of the situation was the red wave did not occur. There's a fair chance, if not a good chance, that they were going to continue with the situation, the Senate being identical for what it was, 50-50 with Kamala breaking a t- uh, the ties. So we go back to the normalcy because the only one up in, really up in the air completely up in the air right now, is our own Georgia with Reverend Warnock. And I could talk a lot yeah. about, uh, yeah, and I could talk a lot about his opponent, which we may. Uh, and there's going to be a runoff election in December. I saved up my donations to, to Warnock till the runoff, just in case, because I, I thought there'd be a lot of money coming now. then. They need the money now. And but, uh, and, and, and with the blessings of, of people, I've had probably half a dozen people from out of state, including Karen, donate to this uh, this uh, election, uh, this runoff for uh, Reverend Warnock. One of the interesting things about it, people who don't live in Georgia didn't see all the commercials, but they accused, but uh, Walker accused uh, Warnock of not acting in a Christian manner. And I thought that was a hilarious thing from a person who is pretty much proven he has two different women to have abortions to pay for them. One, actually, I guess two of them. Uh, threatened to kill his wife, threatened to shoot police. I have a shootout with them. I guess death by cop is what he was pushing for, but I don't know. And then trying to say that, you know, he's had redemption. And, and we're not going to not recognize redemption. Well, the truth of the matter is, it's hard with to, to uh, match those things with his actions. Bless you. Okay, so we have have this this thing going on. 
Now we have to look at what will happen if the House majority goes through uh, GOP and Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan. What are you going to do? What do you think it will be like, Karen? I saw something this morning that said that uh, <clears throat> Kevin McCarthy, you know, his, his position as Speaker of the House, that's not guaranteed. A, a lot of pro-Trump people are pretty mad at him right now. So there's a lot of questions about his effectiveness to serve in that role, you know? So it'll be interesting to see how that, how that pans out. I don't know, like <clears throat> it, what's going on in the GOP is interesting to me right now from like a, like I, I'm a avid people watcher, like sociologist sort of like, you know, not trained or anything, but just seeing how people interact and seeing how people become chameleons and how they say what they need to say and do what they need to do in situations to get what they mm-hmm. need to make things happen. And, you know, you, you mentioned that about DeSantis and he's not, he did not ask for Trump's support or, you know, Trump to back him in this election. He didn't need it. And mm-hmm. it makes you wonder what, what he's going to do. Like once, he gets to where he wants to be, how, how will he lead? And it's the same thing with the GOP for me in the house, like, you know, pander to Trump to get what you need to get reelected, pander to Trump enough to gather the votes to be speaker or to be the leader of the party. Like, you know, for everything, I, I can't stand this man for everything that Trump has said about McConnell, he still has so much pull in the GOP. Mm-hmm. And and I think behind closed doors, a lot more people don't like Trump than will say it publicly. A lot oh, yeah. and, in the GOP. Uh, and, and a lot of them said that it has private, privately, that the ones that could say, could say that they know what's going on. Had there been, even in the impeachment, it, had there been secret ballots, there's a, a good chance that second impeachment would have been carried with enough Republicans. But they would that McConnell wouldn't allow a secret ballot because he knew what was going, what could happen, and it would be bad because at that point the former president still had some pull. The former president has so much on his table legally and financially that it's just shown that he no longer has that anymore. The problem of it is, and I wrote a post on this recently, is that. For the, if the House goes the way that the House Republicans have, have talked about, including people like Jim Jordan and Kevin McCarthy, and they start all these investigations, they're going to prove once again that they're incapable of governing. Governing requires coming to consensus on things. It comes to bipartisanship on some things. One of the, one of the emphasis that our own Senator Warnock had is he's the 16th best uh, uh, person for bipartisanship in the entire Senate. And that's pretty good out of 100, 100 senators. So, you know, that is a, a thing that we needed. Um, one of the best ones for uh, that I've ever heard was Al Franken, but we won't go down that road because uh, that's way in the past at this point. I wish he'd be back in there. So, you know, the the goal of the mega people who get, uh, get into the House, should they have that power, is going to be one purpose only. It's not going to be governing. It's going to be protecting the former president. 
no matter what, it seems to be that there is a big group of people that believe it is their goal to protect them and, and follow through. The truth of the matter is, I'm not sure he's had even that much support across the board and voters because they certainly didn't come to the polls and do the things that he wanted. It's a pretty poor candidate. Dr. Oz was a terrible candidate. He was a, a failed television doctor. He moved from New Jersey to Pennsylvania and didn't, as I've said before in these podcasts, he didn't know that Pennsylvania did not border the Atlantic Ocean. Some of his comment, comments, I mean, it's like the comments of our own Herschel Walker here, who said that China sends the bad air here for us to clean and send, back, send good, back, good air back to them to be, get dirty. I mean, that's a really great scientific thing. I saw, I saw several people put on about uh, that there should be, instead of a runoff, there should be an eighth grade test. And the winner gets the win. And we all know which one had the more intelligence. I saw that. Karen put one of those on and several other people put them on that scene today. That's quite, quite big. It makes sense. Uh, it's just McCarthy is, is like Dr. Oz, but it, I mean, McCarthy Walker is like Dr. Oz, but worse. The violence in his past, the things he's done, the morality, the lying, the lying, the lying. Uh, I would only think the former president can outdo uh, Herschel Walker in the lies. One of the very interesting things that we've had down here, near the end of the election time, the uh, coach, the 94 or 96-year-old coach of Herschel Walker did um, an advertisement for him. He did, did a political ad for him. And about six or seven days before the election, he died. So, you know, you got this person who knew him 40 years ago as a child or, or a very young man, and he was basing what he said on that man that he coached. And here it is. He, I mean, I don't know how much with it he was at this point in the 90s. Some people are very much with it, some aren't. But to me, that wasn't the best person to recommend you now when you knew him 40 years ago. So it, it was a crazy, crazy, crazy time. And this election was crazy time. And it has not turned out to be like the Republicans wanted. hasn't turned out to be exactly what the Democrats wanted. So it's all in. Uh, one of the problems the Democrats have. Go ahead. Go ahead. Something that uh, I want to add that I don't understand why the GOP isn't talking more about this is that Mitch McConnell's super PACs gave more money to GOP candidates than Trump. Trump's PAC has raised five hundred million dollars at least. Five hundred million dollars he's only given 14.8 million to the, mm -hmm. the candidates in this election mitch mcconnell gave 238 million from his super PACs to these candidates and how can people not see what donald trump cares about he cares about donald trump he cares about getting money for donald trump yeah and that's not uh, it's not about the government it's not about he doesn't want to be president because he wants to serve the country he wants to be president because he loves the attention 
Mm-hmm. He loves he loves to be loved. It's like just he's a sad little boy whose parents didn't care about him and he has spent the rest of his life looking for love. Even more than love, he wants relevance. He he wants to be important. And that's why he'll accept negative publicity when most other candidates and don't want. All I want to do is be remembered. He doesn't care whether it's good, bad, or different. He wants to be remembered. And that's one of the things that bothers him, the DeSantis, because DeSantis is getting just as much attention as he is. Did you see that when everything went badly, he said that his wife told him to endorse Dr. Oz, and he said publicly, well, that's her fault. She told me to do it. (laughs) My mind was blown because he – that's such a Ted Cruz moment for Donald Trump. Yeah, it's so it, it, weird. Like it's like he's he's falling down. See, he can't accept the blame for anything. He won't accept any blame for the loss. It's, it's somebody else's fault. Everything is always somebody else's fault. That's a child's actions. It's not me. It's, it's you. You did this. You did this. Blaming your wife is not the way you go off because they don't have the great. Obviously, they don't have the great relation, greatest relationship on there. But she, I'm, I'm not going to say. I think a lot of people had better expectations of Melania than she really is. I think she took advantage. She, she wanted the position of power and money that she's got to be married around him. Uh, and I don't think she's any less nasty when it comes right down to it. But I don't think he listens enough to her to have done that. I think he just thought this was the person to, that, that could do it because he was another. He was a television personality, and that's what Donald John Trump likes: television personalities. J.D. Vance, your guy who who had a hard time, but he did get elected. Again, somebody who's known by being a celebrity. Celebrities are, are what it is. Problem with him, he's not accepted by most of the celebrities. He's not accepted by most celebrities. Yeah. He, he was never accepted in New York society because he's a crass one. His old buddy, Richard Philbin, used to make fun of the Donalds. They were good friends, but he used to make fun of them. The whole, whole city of New York made fun of them. Donald Trump offended Howard Stern. Yeah. There's nobody crasser than Howard Stern. I mean, there is. Yeah. I mean, to offend Howard Stern. And Howard Stern would, said, he doesn't give a crap about you. He would spit on you in the street if he mm-hmm. saw you. These people, people at these MAGA rallies and things, he's like, he would never want anything to do with you. He just wants your vote. He wants your attention. But he wouldn't do anything for you as an individual. No, and all he cares about is the adulation of, uh, of people, the, the, the recognition of people to be relevant. And he, is, he has did become that, irrelevant. Did you see that Dr. Oz called John Fetterman Wednesday morning and conceded to him and congratulated him and was like very gentlemanly? Uh, that, yeah. I, I didn't respect Dr. Oz like when he was running, but that makes me respect him a, a little bit because... That's how that you you need to be like that. You don't just I won, and and the facts don't support that you won. And that is one of the surprises that a lot of people had. He wasn't the only one who conceded. People thought there were going to be all this violence and everything about it. The majority of Republicans that have lost 
have conceded and been as gracious as the Republicans going to be. But you're right. I mean, I, that, that was a surprising thing, the way he had attacked uh, Fetterman. I think one of the things is that people need to take from this is to be careful, be careful when you attack somebody who is recovering from some sort of disability or has a disability. The brain is working, but there's still functions in the, in the brain that are in the process. Uh, they, they make fun uh, of Joe Biden because he stutters sometimes. Well, he's encountered, you know, and conquered much of that issue. And sure, you, you slip up in, on that. I mean, Dan Quayle, much younger man, was doing that all the time. He tried to correct somebody incorrectly in the spelling at a spelling bee competition. So, you know, don't, don't go after, go after Biden and say, oh, it's because of his age or anything. He's overcome a disability. Just like Fetterman's overcoming a disability. Just like many people overcome disabilities such as stuttering and other issues, brain issues. And you also, just never, never know. You and I don't agree on this, but I have a, I, I like George W. Bush. I, I respected him as a president. I did not always agree with him on the decisions that he made, but I read his book and he never made a decision without putting a lot of thought into it, without thinking about how it impacted everybody from both sides. You know, he, he also misspoke all the time. <laughs> and seemed to struggle even with a teleprompter. But the way that he writes is so elegant and so much deeper than how he speaks. Like some people just aren't gifted at speaking, but their brain is amazing. And I think no matter how smart you are to be president, you have to have a level of empathy. You're sending other people's kids into war. You're putting other people's kids in danger. You know, you're doing all of these things to other people. You have to have some level of empathy to think, is what I'm trying to accomplish worth every single life I'm signing to send into danger? And yeah, I know the George Bush always thought about that. Always the problem more is that he's not the kind of person that knew how to show the empathy. In, in, out, in, out in public. I mean, uh, the best thing to have to George Bush for his reputation was DJT winning. Best thing that happened in, to, to Nixon's legacy is DJT winning and being so horrible and the way he continues to, to, to do things that have been as un-American as you can ever, ever believe. One of the things that I'm concerned about with uh, McCarthy or the Republicans in the House, should they take that the majority there, is going after the DOJ. The, D, the Department of Justice, under Bill Barr, took the position of trying to protect the president instead of protecting the presidency in the White House and the American people. That's where it is. White House counsel has responsibility for protecting the presidency. Let me clear that up. But protecting the American people and protecting the law. There is no room in politics for the DOJ to be doing the things that Bill Barr did. 
Bill Barr is another one of the, the, the Trumpsters that's trying to resurrect his reputation by saying, oh, yeah, I finally came to, came, came to, no, you don't get a pass on that. You don't get a pass on what you did with the Mueller report. You don't get a pass for, for all the other things you did. Sure, you were one of the people who told him, sir, you lost the election. Live with it. But that was a little bit but too you know, little too late. If, if people would think critically, if this was all about politics and just about making people look sad, the current DOJ and the current administration could go after William Barr for the things that he mm -hmm. did. They could probably find enough, but they don't mm -hmm. do that because this isn't about politics. This is about a criminally negligent president at best or a con man president at worst. So this isn't, this is not about politics. And I don't understand how people don't, can't see that Donald Trump was born a grifter. He was born yeah. to take people's money. It was trained that way too. He's, the, the, raised, the, he's raised his children to be exactly like him. But his problem is, is somehow Ivanka seems to have some amount of decency in her, some, a, a small amount, but enough where she knows when to back off. And maybe it, it's from Jared. Maybe she just looks at the world differently. His sons are morons. They have no, yeah. Junior's just like him, if not, if not dumber, you know? So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I have a, I have a funny feeling that when Baron comes of age, that we're gonna get a nice tell-all out of Baron Trump. Cause I don't think he wants anything to do with all of this. Yeah, we, we can hope that he's got the got the common sense that the rest of them don't have. Because even Tiffany here has gone Trump, and that that's that's amazing the way she's she's been treating. It. But again, go go but, back to this DOJ. I was gonna say, if you look at the history of that family, mm -hmm. there, Donald Trump's parents, his mother was sickly. I've read some of his niece's book, you know, of the the his brother that um, was not, had a lot of trouble. Donald Trump and his siblings got no affection from their father. Their mother mm -hmm. was sickly. They had nannies, but you know, a nanny doesn't take the place of a parent. And what I've read is that he was the same way with his children. So they're all in competition to get his affection. They're all in competition to one up each other and to be the one that he loves the most right now, except for Baron. Cause I think Melania keeps him out of that nonsense and he's so much younger. But I think Tiffany was like the one that he didn't acknowledge for a long time. And now he probably was like, hey, Tiffany, you know, you are my daughter and sort of roped her in with this getting attention thing. And so mm -hmm. it's this thing she's always wanted. And that's why she turned Trump. That's why his sons are like rabid about him. But Ivanka, it's, I think, is the favorite and doesn't need to work as hard to preserve that. I think she's the most intelligent one of the ones, too. I think you know, and she, she, she's, she's able to do her own business and keep out of uh, keep out of the way. She's not guiltless either, but she is in, she's somewhere in between. Uh, in between. Uh, she's nothing like her brothers, for one thing. But I do, I do want to go back to the DOJ under Biden's administration. There's been a lot of criticism by people in Congress 
of how slow the investigation has gone. And then now that once it picked up, oh, they're doing a great job and we're going to protect them or anything. But there was a lot of criticism on it. But that proves that what a great attorney general, Gary Marlin, uh, 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 <laughs> Gary Marlin, yeah. You're talking about mis uh, misappropriation of language there. Merrick Garland has shown what a great attorney general he is because he is very methodical in what he's doing. And there's when he gets gets them out there and gets these things going, the people are going to be amazed of how well he kept his he kept the, the secrets of going on and the grand everything from the grand jury and everything. And in fact, we'll have probably a pretty airtight case on everybody that's he's going to charge. I'm hoping that there is no consideration. I'm hoping what he said is what he's going to do, and that's that no one is it above the law, including the President of the United States. Okay, that's, we've done a lot on, on the politics on there. Let's look a little bit, a little bit of things. Uh, one of the interesting things that we saw is within, say, a little over a month, there's been two pretty damaging hurricanes hitting Florida. Yeah. Well, I mean, no such luck that was going to have, have right and centered on Mar-a-Lago, but, well, we can only hope. Uh, Daytona Beach had a lot of things. They actually closed down 12 buildings, including a hotel, because they were worried, they were, structurally they were unsound because they had been undercut by wave action. One of the things I had forgotten until I was brought up on here, the salt water is very bad for concrete. I should have remembered that. Many years ago, when the first house we owned, we had a, 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 an entryway of cement. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't slippery or anything. I poured Rock salt on it. Big, big mistake. Because the salt ate away at the concrete, and all of a sudden I fell through one day. It went down like two feet. I didn't get hurt or anything, but had to replace that. So that's what's happening on there. And I also go back to the Bible. In Matthew, he said, uh, Matthew 7, he talked about, Jesus talked about not building on the sand. Because when the waves and the floods and the winds come in, the houses fail. And so much of Florida and along the entire East Coast is built on sand. And it's very easy to undercut it. And also, when a lot of these buildings were built, the water level, the, the, the normal water level was 300 feet or more from these buildings. By now, the normal water level, because of the rising sea level, is like 100 feet less. So when you have storm surge and everything, it's right there. We actually saw a huge portion of a building, of a, a condo, uh, like a pool deck and everything, just collapsed. It was a very fascinating thing to see in real time. Yeah, it, and, you know, they over time, building materials, you, you figure out new things, you know, like steel's improved since Titanic, and, you know, Titanic was a significant amount of improve, improvement on steel, but it's still saying steel's going to sink. Mm -hmm. And, you know, building codes have gotten stricter and stricter. And one of the things that, you know, when we lived in Florida at, in 2009, um, prior to that, we lived in Florida before, and there were a lot of hurricanes. And we started doing some, like, independent research. And since they've been tracking hurricanes, there seems to be, like, a 100-year cycle you know, with like some significant name storms, like every 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. So there is like 
there's like a natural cycle with hurricanes on top of climate issues and climate change. And, and it's like people forget about that. And building codes in Florida have changed so much. We own two homes in Florida. And the first one didn't have a lot of what the, the second one has. Like the house that I still own there has a reinforced garage door. It has all the storm shutters. It has a particular type of framing up inside that, you know, we're, wind mitigation measures that we have that allows a discount in homeowners insurance because even though it's not that close to the ocean or the, the Gulf or any bay, it's next to like, you know, a drainage area for the high tides and the high water. <clears throat> but still, it's still like 20 miles inland, still built like that. And older homes right on the water are not built like that. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a lot of things uh, that are going on there. You know, let's pivot a little bit more into the, you talk, we talked about grifting earlier. To me, one of the big grifts in the last few years has been something called cryptocurrency. That deciding that a computer could go out and generate money by generating something just going round and round, and all of a sudden, mine, they call it literally mining stuff. One of the sad things on it, the power that these computers use when they're going on it, make it one of the biggest polluting things back along almost to the idea of a coal-burning plant. They use so much electricity that there's a polluting the, the atmosphere. China, China, who loves investment and in stuff, limits cryptocurrency. And actually, many of those people who started in China have moved to Texas. Texas has really been good. And here, Texas already has infrastructure problems with electricity, and they got the Bitcoin on yeah. there. Well, Bitcoin at the beginning of the year was somewhere around $35,000, $40,000 per whatever the unit is on there. As of yesterday, it was 16000 So if you bought it anywhere in the past year, you're screwed. That, that's it. Yeah. And I mean, I don't like to be anti-technology, you know, anti-whatever, but something about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency always just seemed really unsettling to me. And mm-hmm. I I have found that cryptocurrency, and I'm not saying this universally, but in general, it seems to be used on the dark web and it seems to be used for not things that are done in the daylight. Yeah. And... That tells me that's something I want no part of. Yeah, we have, we just, it seems to me like a strange, strange situation. I've been kind of doubtful of it because it's just, I just can't see how a computer can come up with a currency from just going around and spinning around and coming up with ideas. Computers can be used for so many good things, and this doesn't seem like one of them. So there's there's a lot going on. We could, I've got other topics that we could talk about, but I think that, you know, we've, Carried in, I know with your sinuses, and I don't want to want to text you talking too much. So, is there anything else you want to say before we close? Nope. <laughs> Good chat. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I hope you've enjoyed our, our chat here, and I, I like to think of it as, as a chat between us, but uh, on topics that I'm hoping you'll find interesting, and obviously do because we do have regular listeners all the time. So, thank you for listening. God bless you. And I salute all the veterans today. Um, 
I've had veterans for a long time in our family. One of our, uh, one of my great great uncles fought in the trenches in World War One. Uh, my father fought in World War Two, and his uncle fought in World War Two with Patton. My father was in the Pacific. Both of our children. I spent some time in the army myself. Uh, so you know, we have the military background on there. One very inter- interesting thing is that. Uh, my father, exactly when he first enlisted, enlisted in what was the Army Air Corps, the precursor to the Air Force, and then his granddaughter enlisted in the Air Force. It was kind of this this continuity in in the situation. I thought that was kind of neat. Well, thank you for listening again. God bless you. God bless this great nation and its legitimate leaders. Enjoy this Veterans Day, and hopefully, you don't have too much rain or flooding. Good afternoon. I think it's afternoon almost. <laughs> uh,